Well, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of work done in the yard this weekend, and uh, temperatures were pleasant enough. Got some gardens, uh, leaves out, and pulled some old plants and some plants that we didn't want, and <sighs> I had to come to work to get some rest. Rodney's with me this morning. Good morning. Let's see here. Something's wrong. Wait, there we go. There we go. Now do it. Yep. Can you hear me now? Still can't hear me, can we? Something's... Oh, I know. You need to push the program light over there. Right there. Why was it in there? I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> good morning. Good morning to you. You had a busy weekend, too? Ah, I'm busy trying to stay away from things. No, I, I did. I, um, I came down... Um, as you know, I live in Jackson, but I came over on Saturday uh, just here to hang out at the station to make sure the uh, the, foot, uh, the basketball game got off and rolling uh, okay on uh, uh, Power 105, uh, our flagship station of the, the Bobcats. So was over here for that and pretty much uh, past that. I enjoyed uh, the drive this weekend and was as about as lazy as one could be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And still, and and still make some movements. Uh, I, I was rather slothy this weekend. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I wish I would have gotten out, but um, I went out and it was nice. But I didn't have enough layers on. You know, it was just enough nip in the air that my old bones said, "I'm going to go back in." It's a little warmer in there. <laughs> Last night we went down to, um, I guess it'd be Mason. Mm-hmm. And uh, had dinner at that Ichiban, or it's a Japanese restaurant, and uh, with a couple of um, Suzanne's relatives. Like a Japanese steakhouse? Yeah. No, oh, I love those. Those are amazing. Yeah, and it was a pleasant drive. Anyway, well, good morning, folks. Welcome. Um, let, let me just take a moment to mention something. Uh, we are uh, now that we're kind of settled in here at our new locations at 223 Columbus Road. Um, we're stepping up again um, as we used to do uh, the frequency of different guests that come in and talk to us about uh, the different organizations they represent and what they do in our communities and so on and so forth. If you would have any suggestion, now I've got a list of 90 different names that I have put together myself, but I just want to make sure that we have everybody that uh, would be a good choice for a, a, an, an interview um, on the list so that we can eventually get them to appear here. I have an email, of course. And um, I would like to have you just send me the name of a person, the agency or organization that they represent, and, um, you know, a couple points like that. And then we'll add them to the list and try to make them um, um, find a date when we can mutually get them on the air for the Party Line program, which is what you're listening to right now. We have so many years of history doing this, and uh, the move has sort of, um, how do I want to say, 
limited um, uh, some of our uh, guest appearances a bit, but uh, we're, we're getting it back together now. So my email is Palmer D. So that's P-A-L-M-E-R-D at W X like Xerox T like Tom Q like Quebec dot com. Palmer D at WXTQ dot com. And just send me those suggestions, please. Because I'll be happy to add them to the list of some 80 or 90 uh, names I already have assembled recently. And, you know, sometimes there's someone that has uh, been in a position and then moved on. So I, I may not be up to date on who the leader or who the best choice to speak about that agency or organization might be. So send them and I'll certainly appreciate it. All right. Well, on this day in history, guess what? It's February 27th. That's right. We have one more day of February to go, and that would be tomorrow. But today's the 27th, the year, of course, 2023. Um, in terms of historical events, I've got something here. It says, in 1693, on this very date, the first women's magazine, which was titled Ladies Mercury, was published in London, England. Now, <clears throat> I don't know. That intrigues me. Yeah, it is neat. I mean, it does hold a lot of um, influence, I think, in the period of time and, and things of that nature. But it also, I think, speaks volumes um, as far as the coming of women's liberation and, and women wanting rights. I mean, this was obviously a hundred, couple hundred years before that really reached a boiling point so to speak but you can see that uh you know that that even in the late 1600s or heading into the early 1700s that was a lot of the mindset uh the interesting thing about uh, this particular uh publication other than it was the first periodical uh, published for women by women I, I well, well it was actually produ uh, published by John Dutton but uh, a lot of the articles and stuff uh, yes. were, were for by women but uh, the Athenian Mercury dealt with a range of topics such as science religion as well as private life including and this will probably seem a little bit far-fetched for that particular time but sexuality as well is one thing that they covered during that time so they were kind of a real cutting edge uh way ahead period. of their yeah, time way ahead of their time yeah the um did it um is there any notes about it um, instantly being popular anything like that well, it says the Ladies Mercury was only published for four weeks, oh. and the last issue appeared in, on March 17, 1693. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't sound real good. No, it? no. Uh, one commentator had speculated that the run was so short because the new venture risked drawing away from the women readers. The Athenian Mercury itself, which was the uh, the publishing of, I guess, the main, they, that was their 
main thing they had going on and this was kind of like a subsidiary of that so they didn't want to lose readers they're women readers so they mm -hmm. they pulled away from that i guess you know they were looking at <clears throat> believe it or not back during that time ratings so to speak even then <laughs> yeah of course well of course yeah well four weeks it lasted yeah <laughs> is that four issues was it a weekly or uh, it says, well, it says the uh, final issue it was released on, the first issue was, I believe, uh, released on February well, February 27th, as you said, but uh, it says the last issue appeared on March 17th, 1693, so it would have been four weeks, yeah. Hmm. All right, well, let's move on. In 1900, in London, the Trades Union Congress and the Independent Labor Party formed. Um well, that's not true. It actually formed in 1893, but they met on this date in 1900. And the results in a labor representative committee and, event, and eventually the modern labor party in 1906. In 1933, Nazi Germany's parliament building, the Reichstag, is destroyed by fire possibly set by the Nazis, who blame and execute Dutch communist Marinus van der Lubbe. Um, we must not have liked him. Marinus van der Lubbe. L-U-B-B-E. Oh, well. That in 1933. The Reichstag was uh, rebuilt then, right? Yeah, I think so. In 1940, Martin, um, is it Kamen? K-A-M-E-N. And San Rubin discover carbon-14. Radiocarbon radio dating. Yeah, that's 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 what they use to determine how many billions or millions of years things old are, huh? Well, what did it say about you? What did it say about me? Well, it says uh, carbon uh, radioactive isotope of carbon whose decay allows the accurate dating of archaeological artifacts. The carbon-14 nucleus has six protons and eight neutrons for all you uh, atomic mass people out there that understand that <laughs> yeah yeah well but I basically have. in layman's terms it just tells you that it tells you how old something is <laughs> well that's what i i really meant to say is what what did this process have to say about you oh me in it goes way back way, way back. back yeah okay. I, I'm, I may be like uh i think i'm like uh right around biblical times <laughs> around 2000 years old <laughs> okay well let's see here what else can we come up across uh chiang kai-shek in 1950 the general chiang kai-shek elected president of nationalist china that was kind of big deal how do you say that again chiang okay c-h-i-a-n-g Kai, K-A-I hyphen S-H-E-K. Shanghai Chek. You don't remember that name? Oh, mercy. 
Oh, he was also, this is why, it's because he was also known as General Asimo. Uh, he was a Chinese political and military leader who served as the head of the Republic of China from 1928 to 1949. We all know that, right, Carl? Well, I mean, I, I had history classes about, like, four years ago. I mean, I remember it pretty easily, but, <laughs> hey, if you didn't have classes for about 20 years, it's easy to forget. All right, so you're rubbing it in. You're a little younger than I am. <laughs> oh, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay, so the name that you brought up that he was also known as, I've never heard General of General Asimo. Is that how you would say that? I've, I've. Generalissimo, uh, I think. Generalissimo more sounds like yeah, what it would be. Yeah. Something like I that. I always knew Shang Kai Chek. Oh, well. All right. Well, let's see here. What? Carl's going to jump in now? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, cool. And Carl might be, like he said, he took history class recently, so he might yeah, be a little better off on this for you than I am. I might remember more of the stuff. <laughs> least have read about it yeah yeah um carl good morning good morning so how's the sports scene pretty good um unfortunately uh only have one team left in the coverage area for uh basketball but excited to see them play tonight and that is federal hawking federal hawking the only boys they're trying to get to the district final for the first time since 1970 wow yeah well, good luck to them. Who are they uh, facing? Uh, Eastern Pike. Which is where? Uh, Pike County. Okay. All the way out west. Uh, had to drive past Jackson for their game. They play Tremble on Friday. So. Fair enough. Carl Blaylock is uh, one of our sports personnel. And, uh, Carl, I've been listening. You do a great job. Thank you. Well, help me out with the My Show this morning, if you would. Um, let's see. The next project we have to mention is that of, um, in 1940, Martin Kamen, and that's with a K, K-A-M-E-N, and Sam Rubin discover carbon-14. Um, boy, didn't we have this story just a minute ago? Yeah. Yeah, I think I already did this one. You I, were, I, I think you were down on, like, yeah, uh, 1957. Yeah. Mao's famous speech to the Supreme State Conference on correct handling of contradiction, contradictions among people. Mao Zedong. Yeah, uh, um, big day in Chinese history, I guess, between uh, both both Taiwan and China. Expounding Maoist ideals. So that occurred on this date in 1957. Let's move on. In 2012, WikiLeaks begins disclosing 5 million emails from private intelligence company Stratfor. Well, let's do some famous birthdays. I always need some help here. So, Carl, um, the first one we have to mention is a male. His name is Charles Strait, S-T-R-I-T-E. He was born on this date in 1878. He died in 1956. Now, what was Mr. Streit's thing? Well, how'd you spell that again? S-T-R-I-T-E. Charles Streit. I still can't. I still can't find it. <laughs> there we go. You find it? Mm. 
S T R A I T. No. Nope. No A. No A. S T R I T E. Straight. He is the inventor who created the pop up toaster. Oh. Well, most all of us have used those. Alrighty. Now, uh, someone we would all know, and that is, uh, or know of, and that is Elizabeth Taylor. She was born on this date in 1932. She died in 2011. Name just a couple films that, uh, I mean, she had hundreds, I think. But Elizabeth Taylor, the actress. Uh, and I would not know this without having to look it up. She did Cleopatra in 1963 and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof in 1958. Yeah, just to mention a few. Okay, two other famous birthdays. Let me get my pages turned here. There we go. Um, Constantine the Great. Constantine the Great. How would you like to have that name? Yeah, it'd be pretty nice to have a great always added after you. He was born on this date in 272 A.D. He died in uh, 337 A.D. So 50 years or so, 55 years of life. Um, no, 65. Anyway, Constantine the Great, what was he known for? He was the first uh, Roman Empire to convert to Christianity. So I believe he also set up a lot of... Uh, he might have been the one to... No, he was not the one to move. They named it after him. He was named Constantinople was named after him as well when they moved the Roman Emperor, Emperor, Empire East. The last birthday we have to bring up today is that of John Steinbeck. And uh, he was born in 1902, died in 1968. John Steinbeck. Uh, he wrote, uh, I, remember, I remember this, I had to read his uh, books in uh, junior high. Did not enjoy them, uh, but he, he was a writer. He wrote Grapes of Wrath. The Pearl. I remember having to read The Pearl in junior high. I did not enjoy it. I thought it was a little bit dumb, but, uh, you know, that was like seventh grade. Uh, but mostly known for writing The Grapes of Wrath in 1939. Two famous deaths to uh, share today. Uh, first of all, someone I suspect we all know, and that is Fred Rogers from um, Public Broadcasting, right? Yep. And uh, Mr. Rogers, born in 1928 on this date. No, 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 not true. Born in 1928, died on this date in 2003. And uh, did he have any other notability besides that one program? I think it was just uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but he was he was also uh, very progressive, especially for the 1970s. I remember reading, there's a, there's a few good documentaries out there. Uh, I've seen a few YouTube videos about it as well, but uh, I think the, uh, there's a clip out there of him talking in front of the Senate board uh, for public television uh, back, it would have been like late 1960s, maybe early 1970s. Um, I can look up and see 
when exactly it was, but it, it's a really powerful speech. Uh, it's a really powerful speech. It was 1969. Uh, he testified before the Senate, and you could see on the uh, you could see the face. Originally, the uh, I, and I don't remember the senator who was uh, presiding over it, but he was sitting there asking questions. You could see his whole demeanor change just talking with Mr. Rogers. I mean, there's a reason why he was a, a you know a, a staple of public television for years and years because I mean he 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 did. I mean, a lot of people grew up with them, and even to some regard, you still see people grow up with them through uh, different formats. They have a few uh, uh, the company that he started found he, he founded. I uh, still have a few uh, shows on PBS. I've got Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. They've got another one uh, called Donkey Quixote uh, or Donkey Hody or something like that. I, I've, I've watched them with my little brother, and they're, they're still solid shows. And they, you know, it's it carries on uh, Mr. Rogers' legacy pretty well. Well, I must admit that uh, even as an adult, uh, if I come across that, I do stay with it for a little bit to watch because he you know his mannerisms his politeness his um his interest areas he just it was a very well done program all right well carl you are one of our key sports people here and um you know there's been this whole big launch of a story which uh, there's been a little rumors floating around but um, today it really blasted and that is about some changes coming to baseball yes the pitch clock isn't it well that's one thing yeah and and there's several others too um and you know having been the founder of the copperheads and things like that i you know, I liked the game the, the way it was, and I don't know if I particularly agree with these things. Maybe they're abused with some ball clubs, but I don't think everybody's guilty of it. No. But let's, let's, let's go over it. First of all, big baseball rule changes are coming this season, starting with Friday's spring training openers. Among Major League Baseball's many on-field adjustments, a pitch clock, which you just mentioned, that limits pitchers to 15 seconds, or 20 if men are on base, between when they get the ball from the catcher and the start of their delivery. The end of the infield shift Infielders must have both feet touching the dirt at the start of a pitch. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, it says with two fielders on each side of second base and larger bases increased from 15 to 18 inches square. Well, had you heard about much of this in advance? I, I've heard about most of it, and I don't like any of it. I'm going to be honest. I I watched a clip of one of the spring training games with 
the pitch clock, and I I didn't enjoy it. It, it. it feels way too rushed. I mean, and another portion with that is not only do you have 15 seconds to pitch once the ball gets back to you, the batter has to be in the box by eight seconds and ready to hit. Otherwise, it's an automatic strike, which I don't like. We had a game end in spring training that way. Um, over the weekend, you know, you had bases loaded, the team's down by three, and three, two count, and he gets called with a strike because he wasn't in, uh, the guy wasn't in the batter's box in time. And to me, it just, to me, it just, it's not needed. I feel like baseball is chasing after an imaginary fan at this point. They want people from my generation, which is understandable. We aren't as interested you know, the 20-somethings aren't as interested in baseball as, you know, most people used to be. But this isn't the way to go about it. I, I think their goal is to speed it up. It is because of the attention spans, but I feel like I feel like 15 seconds is much too quick for it. It, it doesn't... One of the good things about baseball is the way that it's allowed to breathe. And sometimes it does breathe too much. But I feel like you could have done it with just 30 seconds, and there's already rules in the rules book what, to what, what uh, is the count current, this. Is, is there a current count limit? There is, but most of the time it's not It's not really a point of emphasis with it. I know I, I used to be a softball umpire uh, back when I lived up in northwest Ohio. Never really got too high in it, into it, but you have a rule to where, like, you have, I mean, they already have it on the books where you have about 20, 25 seconds okay. once you get the ball to pitch the ball, at least in softball, and I'm pretty sure they have the same rule in baseball. It's just not something that's normally enforced. These rules are already on the book. We don't need to have some big pitch clock. We don't need to have this set, stringent thing. I, I think that it moves the game much too quickly, and I feel like I, I don't like where baseball is going. I feel like they are going... The same route NASCAR was going, chasing fans in the early 2000s. They wanted, they had this boon, and they wanted to keep that boon, and so they made all these fundamental changes to the sport, and and ended up changing the sport for the worse. You made all the, you know, you made all the fans, the 40, 50 year old fans that grew up watching it their entire life. You made them mad. They left the sport, and then there's nobody to really continue it on because with baseball. A lot of it is uh, family dynamics. I know I got into baseball because uh, my dad and my grandpa, we'd always sit around on Sunday afternoons and watch the Cincinnati Reds or the Detroit Tigers every single Sunday, and it was always enjoyable. We just sat out there and we watched baseball, you know, took naps as well during it, but we were always interested in the baseball games. And when you get to a point where you're not making that because the older fans have left, then what is the point of baseball? And I, I feel that baseball is doing all of this to ignore the bigger issues of payroll. You look at a lot of these teams, they are not putting hardly any money into their uh, baseball team. You look, at, you look at the Cincinnati Reds, for example, their second highest player, pay, payroll-wise, has not played for the team since 2009, and that's Ken Griffey Jr., Outside of that, no, like he, he he's he's the third highest paid player on the team, and he's not played since 2009, which is atrocious. It, it, it's terrible that you have payrolls like that. You have a lot of owners who are really just skimming money off the top. I think uh, the Castellinis, for one, or 
you know, they kind of have that. They get a bad rep because uh, they they some they say some stupid things sometimes as well, especially uh, uh, Phil Castellini. But you also see it with up the river in Pittsburgh with Bob Nutting. Bob Nutting he 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 says a lot of you know he he does a lot of uh, cost cutting things to where he has plenty of money, but he just doesn't put any money into the team. And you see that with a lot of different teams. They they think that they're out of it no matter what, and so they just. They cut payroll, and they try to make it as economical as possible so they can get as much money as possible off the team without having any, uh, I mean, without, without having to worry about any sort of uh, compo- uh, having to pour well, a bunch of money in the team to not make the playoffs. That's, um, I mean, I understand your points, and I don't disagree with all of them or agree with all of them. Um, in this story here, it says almost 15% of the nearly 400 pitchers who had qualified for StatCast's pitch tempo leaderboard back in 2022 projected to take more time on average with the bases empty than the clock will allow with 23 at least 10% longer than allowed and 8 taking at least 20% longer. So anyway, I, I don't have a problem with, at that point, stepping it up a bit. Um, nobody on base, that sort of thing. Um, these are pretty, what do I want to say, minor changes, I think. But I don't understand making the base 18 inches instead of 15. I think, I think that is mostly more of a safety thing. I think it's more of a, a stolen base thing. That too. That too. And um, I just don't get it. How many years have the 15-inch bases existed? I want to say, like, forever. Yeah, probably since the game was created. So some of this I understand. Maybe it'll be an improvement. Some of it I don't. Um, but all told, um, the, the writers of this article found that about 20% of qualified pitchers would need to speed up their average time with either the bases empty or runners on. And that doesn't even include those times the other 80% held the ball a little longer than usual before throwing. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, you know, it's, I, I hate to say it could be an experiment, and then they revert backwards, but I just don't think that's likely to happen. No, and I mean it's it's something that a lot with a lot of younger pitchers they'll probably adapt to it much quicker than your Greg Kimbrels or your Clayton Kershaws or you know the the pitchers that have been around for a while because they've been testing this out in the minor leagues for the last few years. But I mean this is the direction the baseball is going. I don't like the direction that it's going. I. I'm intrigued to see how it looks. I'm not sure if it's going to look very good. I'm not 
super excited about it. I I know watching at least the little clip, and I just watched a little clip on it of it on social media. So I haven't watched the legit game, but watching the clip of the at bat that I watched, it just it it didn't feel like baseball. It didn't have time to breathe, and I didn't like that. You know, again, my experience with the Copperheads is it's it's a relaxed environment. Mm-hmm. You go there, you have time to chat with whoever you're sitting with. You have a soft drink or a beer and a little bite to eat. And there's times you thrill, are thrilled, and you cheer. And there's times you just watch with interest. Um, and if they're trying to step up the the uh, excitement, I don't know. I kind of like the downtimes too. Yeah, I, I I think that, like I said, I feel like baseball is chasing fans instead of truly just. Uh, I I feel like they're chasing fans instead of just letting them. Whoops! Run. Wait, wait, wait! I I cut your mic off. There we there we go there we go. I I think they're chasing fans and not not really uh, not really just letting the g- a game grow organically. And we'll see in a, we'll see in about ten years if it pays off or not. But I I don't like the move for baseball, and I think it's kind of sliding more and more in mediocrity. I, I think they're at this point behind the NBA when it comes to uh, popularity. They're down to number three, which you know, thinking about it, thirty forty years ago, that's unheard of. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, turn our attention to another item. Um, this time I'm working out of the New York Times. And um, uh, they decided today to examine the raging debate about smartphones and teenage mental health. Now, I, um, I haven't read this article yet. We'll do it together. But I'm already troubled by it a little bit. Um, I don't think teenagers are alone in this. Uh, I find myself um, uh, very much, uh, I use my phone all the time. Uh, Email, messages, telephone calls, research, everything. and if I'm sitting in front of my computer, then some of the things I can do there. But um, it's certainly easier to have that phone on your hip. Mm-hmm. So, digital technology has caused the big ch- biggest changes to teenage life in many decades. Typical American teenagers spend about half of their waking hours on their smartphones. Okay. I I can confirm that's accurate. They have screen time for it uh, on our phones, and like mine's normally about eight and a half hours a day. After this show, show me how to track my time. But uh, okay. Anyway, they are on their phones when they are alone at home and when they are hanging out with friends. When the writer compares his own teenage years with the 1980s, rather that in 
that occurred during the 1980s with those of my parents in the 50s and the 60s, the writer realizes how much more rapidly habits have changed in those past 15 years than in the previous 50. My teenage experiences and those of my parents weren't all that different. We walked, I'm sorry, we talked on the telephone, drove cars, watched movies, went to parties, and so on. My children's social rhythms look much different. This transformation has surely had broader consequences. To put it another way, if there have been major swings in teenage well-being over the past 15 years, good or bad, we should assume the reshaping of life by digital technology has helped cause them. Of course, there have been major changes in teenage well-being. By many measures, teen mental health has deteriorated. Mm especially for girls. And this all started around 2008. The suicide rate for girls and boys began rising around then. Feelings of, ho of loneliness, sadness began rising too. The amount of time teenagers spend socializing in person has declined so has sleep. Young people are telling us that they are in crisis. This was uh, Kathleen uh, Ithier, who's a top CDC, um, Center for Disease Control official, who said this month when releasing the results of a large survey. Some other trends have been positive. Teenage deaths in vehicle accidents began falling more rapidly about 15 years ago. Teen pregnancies and bullying are down too. So it's not all bad news. Going on, the release of the CDC report has led to a raging debate among experts and journalists about whether technology deserves much blame or credit for these trends. The writers, uh, let's see, who is our writer on this? This is, um, oh, David Leonard. Uh, let me find my place again. Um... Oh, shucks. Well, I'll just go on. The release of the CDC report has led to a raging debate among experts and journalists about whether technology deserves much blame for or credit for those trends. Here we go. My own takeaway is that while many uncertainties remain and technology does have benefits, there is good reason to believe that technology use is the primary cause of the problem. Interesting. Even the positive trends in teen health point to technology. Pregnancies, vehicle deaths, and bullying are down partly because teenagers are spending more time by themselves and less time together. 
The counter-arguments defending technology tend to have two big weaknesses. First, they exaggerate the significance of narrow academic studies. Second, nobody has come up with a persuasive alternative theory that fits the timeline of teenagers' uh, struggles. Well, if you'd like to read more about this, the New York Times, The Morning Report. And um, what's your thoughts about it? I, I do think that, and it's going to be really interesting to see because technology with it, it has good and bad. Um, it's nice to be able to connect with people, especially, you know, with me being at college. Um, there's a lot of things that, like, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, I would not be able to connect the way I do still with some of my good friends from back home uh, without some of this technology. Like, you know, some nights I'm calling one of my really good high school friends and I'm playing online chess with him or something like that. I mean, it, it's it's got its benefits with that, but I do think that there is a lot of problems with it. And I think that we're kind of working our way through that. I, I disagree that bullying is going down through the use of social media. I, I believe it's just changing the way the way that people bully are changing because that's still there. Um, the suicide rates being up, I, I do agree that, yeah, that, that adds to it, but it also adds to where you also have more resources to go to for it. I, I think it really depends on how much you use it for what you use it for. I normally use it just to connect with friends from back home or you know, text people. You know, if I'm out and about with friends, it's not really coming out that often, um, unless there's like just kind of lulls in conversation and stuff. Yeah. But it's, I, I can see both sides of it. I think something that I've seen with it, just from like the years, because I, I didn't get a phone until I was uh, 15, 16. It was like my sophomore year of high school before I really got interconnected with that. And most of my friends. Uh, they got them, um, you know, freshman year. Now you're having like sixth, fifth and sixth graders get it. And something that I've noticed is you're seeing you're seeing people grow up a lot faster. And I don't know exactly what the cause of it is, but I, I remember sitting there and I remember like my freshman or sophomore year, you have you have you know you have like the typical you know like braces and everything pictures for us like when we're in junior high. Now the junior high students look like they're in high school, and it, 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 it builds up upon itself from that. I feel like a lot of people, they're growing up younger and younger because they have more exposure to stuff that, you know, makes you grow up. You know, you're, you're having more exposure to this stuff. It's not like, like, for example, I mean, you're seeing all the news. I mean, for, you know, some freshmen, I'm sure... In high school, they're sitting there and they see they're online and they're scrolling through TikTok and they see all the things about the East Palestine train crash and how everything is dying in the entire ecosystem near the Mahoney Valley, all, all the fish life and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, they see that and they go, wow, we're screwed. Um, and kind of it kind of gives you a bleak outlook on life because you have access to all this information that you really wouldn't have otherwise and you're just sitting there and going oh yikes with a lot of it and, and then there's 
another point, and if you can cut in and have a response to that first well, one. Well, no, I was, uh, what came to mind was when I had my first cell phone. I apologize, folks, that I can't think of exactly what year it was. But we had purchased WRAP over in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, I went over there to um, get that station um, organized and going. It was our nation's first black radio station. It had tons of history. It was so cool. Anybody who was anybody in the entertainment industry and African-American came and would hang out at the station. It was such a neat thing. Well, I remember uh, the day I arrived and they showed me where my office was and everything like that. And then um, Joe Weatherby came in. He was our chief engineer and put this big package on my desk and said, here's your cell phone. And it was, it looked like just a regular telephone, you know, with a box associated with it that you plugged into your cigarette lighter and uh, in your car. And you couldn't carry it on your belt or anything like that. And then uh, a few months later, he brought in something that was a little more portable. But it didn't have a screen. You couldn't look at pictures. You couldn't, you know, it was purely two-way communication. Wow, things have certainly changed. Well, we have about uh, two minutes left today, folks. And, um, Carl, what's our next sports effort? Uh, we got over on Power 105 tonight, we have federal hockey taking on Beaver Eastern. Coverage will start about 540 with coaches' interviews live from McAfee Gymnasium. A lot less driving for me. I put about 250 miles on my car this weekend between the games over and Pike County and all the way down basically to Huntington, West Virginia, down to Proctorville and Fairland. So nice to only drive about two miles up the road to Athens High School, but should be a very, very good game tonight. And then for the sports fan, uh, we got Trevor Stevens on later in the week. Uh, next Monday, we're going to have Russ Eisenstein to preview the MAC tournament. And sometime over the next few weeks, uh, I got with Jerry Fick. He's going to come and talk with us about. Uh, He's going to come and talk about softball for us. We have a minute left. Where, where do you hail from? Uh, northwest Ohio. Meaning? Uh, Edgerton, Ohio. It's like an hour west of Bowling Green. Okay. And uh, sports, uh, have you participated in sports mostly? Yes. Uh, I, uh, I played on a football team. Actually, uh, my football team in 2018 was very good. We actually uh, we should have played Tremble in the uh, state title game. We lost to Macomb, the team that eventually beat Tremble in 2018's uh, state title game. But uh, we're a very solid team. Neat. Any other sport? I uh, played a little bit of golf, a little bit of track. But football was the main one. Okay. Well, I officiated track and field at OU in high school a lot. Coached soccer 14 years at Athens. And I had a great time. Even was the acting uh, athletic director for two years. Nice. Well, we're out of time, folks. Carl Blaylock joined us today. He may be with us another morning, too. So be careful out there. Have a wonderful day. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H, Athens.
is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by General Steel. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. It was like something out of a horror movie in Sublet, Kansas. Holy cow. What in the world is that? That driver spooked when 